Coming live from Spain is our guest this evening. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you're watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Timothy Stewart's children's storybook author, founder of Transformations, a nonprofit dedicated to assisting people of all ages achieve their maximum personal and professional potential by integrating body, mind, heart, and soul. Welcome to the show, Timothy. Oh, it's so wonderful to be with you and all the listeners, AJ. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So we'll be talking about the children's book about children and the topic that is today is living every moment in peak happiness, health and love and no better person than you. I can tell you that <laughs> and you have lived a, lived a good life. You have seen it all and you have a lot of experience to tell us about that. So first of all, just to understand is that how did you get into book writing from, you know, being a accountant and certified uh, professional and all that stuff. So can you give us a bit of a background about your journey? Yes, I, I won't go into the CPA part, but I transitioned from being a CPA by opening a chocolate shop. And the reason I opened a chocolate shop was because I woke up one morning and the first thing that came out of my mouth when I talked to my partner was if Hershey's can make kisses, I and make chocolate French kisses. And that set me out on a adventure of learning how to make chocolate, sell chocolate, package chocolate. And it was in that chocolate shop one day that I received a large box that I did not order. And the delivery driver would not take it back. So after he left, I opened it up and there were 50 little teddy bear faces staring up at me. And I had no idea how they got to me, but being an accountant and loving Hardy Boy books, which were adventure books when I was a child, I decided I'd find out who owned the bears and how they got to me. And they were actually smuggled into the country, but I did find their original owners and their owners gave me all the teddy bears. So I carried one of those little teddy bears in the car with me and one day at a stop sign, I picked up the teddy bear, looked in its face and said, who are you? And surprisingly, I heard an answer, which was, I'm Poet Bear. So that made sense to me because I wrote a lot of love poetry and a lot of philosophical poetry at the time. So I got the idea of taking that little teddy bear and putting a little book of my poetry together in a box and selling it. And when I got the whole package ready to go, my mom took one look at it and said, well, you kind of blew it. That should have been a children's story. And I said, mom, there's not, uh, there's not a line in there for children. There's only a few lines about children and I don't write children's stories. <laughs> but, you know, it's like my mother knew me very well and it's like she saw something inside me that I didn't see and six months later, I got the idea for a children's story and it just popped into my head and 
sat down and wrote it and Poet Bear became Blissberry Bear who tells all my stories and Blissberry Bear lives in the Great Bear constellation with his bear buddies like Chi Bear and Poet Bear and Believin Bear and Bobby Bear. Um, there's probably a few more, the Berry Godfather. And Blissberry Bear comes to earth to help children and families understand everyday situations we go through from a different perspective. So right. that, that's how I that's how I got into writing children's stories. And then Right. And yeah, carry on, Timothy. And then they just kept coming. I just kept getting ideas. And so I wrote seven or eight of them really quickly and that all started about 40 years ago, and I've written 86 altogether right now, which is more than anybody that currently alive has written. Yes, and, and many more are coming. And many more are coming, yes, as soon as I find the time to write them. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, Timothy, you understand, you know, after so many stories, books, you understand the mind of children. You understand people's mind. You also run this organization called Transformations, you know, that takes care, that helps people of all ages. So on one side, you understand about children. And then you, on the other side, through your organization, uh, you, you are able to assist uh, people of all ages to achieve their maximum personal and professional potential. And that is why you are the best person to talk about living every moment in peak <laughs> happiness, health, and love. So first, talking about children itself. You know, uh, children uh, are when, when they are very small, that's the time they should know the uh, real meaning of living a good life, a happy life, uh, and not not the life that uh, that, that they, many are getting into at the moment with, you know, so much of social media and a lot of, you know, negative impact around us. So how do they start with this journey of, you know, reading program for your, for, for, for anybody's children? When is, when is the best time for them to start a program, a reading program? The best time to start is when they're in the womb. You know, it's been scientifically proven, plus masters and saints in India and other cultures have talked for a long time about the importance of the vibrations that a child feels and hears when it's in the womb, not just the foods the mother eats. So if you start reading to your child about the fifth month in the womb, it starts to acclimate them to voice patterns. It acclimates them to the world around them. And you can actually start to influence how you want your child to be. If you want them to be a scientist, you can expose them to scientific readings. If you want them to be a musician, you can play certain types of music for them. So it really starts right away. And then it continues from the moment they're born. You know, you might not think they're understanding, but it's the tone of the voice. It's the love in the voice. And... You can start reading to them and keep reading to them. Okay, okay. So as early as possible, and that's the yes. time you know it, it, it develops. That habit develops. We we have a story of Abhimanyu in our Indian culture where he learned the art of you know uh, fight and different stuff and archery and all that stuff when he was 
uh, in his mother's womb and he could understand ah. most of that thing and later on he uses that in the big battle of kurukshetra called mahabharat so yeah I, i can i can relate to what exactly and as you said it's scientifically proven uh, timothy so ah. uh, but one tell me one thing timothy there is there are so many things and sometimes i have seen that children they like one story and want to hear it again and again aren't they bored don't they want something new you get to something new and they say <laughs> please tell me the same story what's the, what is it about this can you help us understand this yes it's it's not the children that get bored with the story it's the adults that get bored with reading the same story over and over and it seemed like my daughter wanted to hear the stories over and over that i liked the least but i didn't know anything at that time because i hadn't really started writing the children's stories and doing research but i later found out that children like to hear the same story over and over because it develops their neural synapses and it takes repetition over and over and over again for their inner workings of their brain to connect everything together so that's why they want to hear it over and over and over again because of what's going on inside of them not necessarily that it's a wonderful story they're just trying to get the repetition down and the words and the sound and understand what's going on okay okay and how do you think in your opinion uh, timothy is that stories they help children i am specifically telling children here but uh, stories are helpful to almost all ages but specifically in cases of children to help them navigate our fast paced challenging rapidly evolving world how do the stories help them how do you think it can help them going forward well one thing children children learn a lot from stories they historically they've incorporated myth and heroes and heroines into their life and children learn more from a story than if an adult like if you want your child to learn something and you're trying to get something through to them they can learn from a story better than the parent lecturing them or trying to tell them okay and so all all of my stories weave fantasy and reality myth and mystery with virtues and values and the principles of human development so that they're entertaining and educational and inspirational and so they give those children the lessons the foundation of life that they need and also to develop their own creativity okay okay so timothy uh, in terms of children now we we know that uh, the books are uh, important and books help them then what does happen they learn all the great things during childhood while growing up and then when they grow up do they forget all the good things or is it that something else over powers their greatness or goodness within <laughs> in their minds and hearts and this is the today such is the level or the state of our planet today be it climate change in terms of a lack of empathy or any other ways you can see the world and there is so much of chaos so what happens uh, is is our childhood impressions uh, so uh, so less strong that they because negative impressions they can last a lifetime 
but why don't positive impressions last a lifetime <laughs> uh, th that that's the 10 billion dollar question why do not positive impressions last a lifetime for adults or children you know it's like the mind seems to always want to repeat the negative patterns and maybe because they're such powerful feelings that those feelings stay there and constantly get triggered but it's it's really important to nurture a child the same way all the way through their childhood that you nurture them from the moment they were born as a soft, innocent little child. And it's important that parents understand the de developmental stages that a child goes through so that they can provide the appropriate learnings at each stage and interact with them in the way that the child can learn and to give the child the freedom to express how they express and to keep nurturing that and not expose them to all of the technical things that we have and to the news and to everything else that they really can't understand anyway. So it's, you know, it's like you mentioned at the beginning, children are innocent, that those formative years where they just need to be playing and learning and finding out who they are and developing their own creativity. Whatever we can do to nurture that and keep them away from everything else that wants to come in and uh, cloud that and kind of take them away from their original magic. Right, right, Timothy. So uh, let's now leave the children there. They have grown up now, they are adults. And then there is so much of stress, you know, and there is a there are a lot of problems and you are living in the real world sometimes a good world sometimes a big bad world and how do you deal with that and that is where you come in we talk about living every moment in peak happiness and health and love before asking too much details on this you talk about you know listening to your own truth what does it mean what does it mean what do you want to tell about that what does it mean for everybody what is the truth that's where we take the time every day to find a way that resonates with us to get quiet and spend time focusing on our heart, listening to God, turning off the chatter that's going on in the mind and trying to, and it takes practice to discern what's really true and what's really coming from our heart versus what we've been programmed to believe. And I, AJ, I woke up one morning and, you know, that space right before you awaken, you know, it's like you're conscious, but you're not fully awake. Okay. And I, I, I was in that space one morning and I watched my mind planning out my day. And I couldn't believe that. I mean, my mind was really planning out what I was going to do before I was even out of bed. And that kind of woke me up and said, no, you know, I've got to take control of my mind. You know, just like we can control our body, just like if I want to raise a hand, I raise a hand. Well, with meditation and with different types of practices, Qigong practices, Tai Chi, yoga, we can learn to control our mind as easily as we control our body. So 
right now after 40 years of practicing and teaching meditation and Reiki and Tai Chi and Qigong and other practices, I control my mind the way I control my body. If I want my mind to think, it thinks. If I want it to be quiet, it rests in total peace. And it's in that peace that we can listen for and hear our own truth. Okay, okay, Timothy. So since you know about it, but everybody does not know, uh, you know, like you to control their mind the way you have done. For lesser mortals, whoever is listening to this <laughs> program and who will listen across the world and focus on India, <laughs> for lesser mortals, mortals, what are the simple, easy ways to, you know, reduce the stress in their minds and bodies? How do they take control of their minds in I mean, it's all this so much of chaos around them, you know, where early morning you wake up, either it's a call from your boss or it's some notification on your on your phone. I, I was one of those lesser mortals that you talked about, and I still am. <laughs> I'm still practicing and learning. <laughs> but I was a busy certified public accountant um, with a child, a daughter, a busy life, a house and everything when I started meditating. I didn't have time for meditation, but I had a powerful experience. I trusted. And so I started meditating two minutes a day, just two minutes. I actually set a kitchen timer so that I didn't go beyond two minutes. And then after a couple of weeks, I started feeling better. So I went to five minutes and then I went to 10 minutes. So I gradually increased my meditation time to 30 minutes twice a day. And then I graduated and did, did even more time up to an hour a day and sometimes 24 hours a day, but it's slowly. And it's not just the time we sit and meditate. So it, it's really a matter of being focused. So right now I'm focused on you. I'm focused on the listeners. So I'm in meditation because I'm not thinking of anything else right now. I'm just being present here. So we can take that with every aspect of our life. When we're walking from one room to another, we can be present and focus at the soles of our feet and feel our feet hit the ground instead of thinking about what we just did or what we're about to do. If we're cooking, we can just cook. We don't think about anything else, uh, no matter what we're doing. So with practice, we just learn to focus our mind with what's right in front of us. And when we don't have anyone or anything in front of us, what I have found to be valuable is repeating mantras. And people can repeat whatever mantra, whatever high vibration word, whatever name of God they use, um, just the word peace, the word love, and just repeat over and over, I am love, I am love, I am love or I am energy, I am peaceful, I am calm. So that's how they can gain control of their mind. And then those things that are going on in the outer world where they might bother us a little bit, they don't bother us like they used to. And our mind doesn't keep thinking of them over and over. So I also, at one point in time, for, for like a week, every time my mind had a thought, 
I asked it, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? And at another time, every time my mind would repeat something twice to me, I would say, thank you for telling me, but I'm really very smart and you're really very smart. So you only have to repeat something to me once. I don't want to hear it over and over and over again. So there's okay. little trick, there's little tricks like that that we can use to maintain peace throughout our day. Okay. Okay, Timothy. So you talk that being in the moment and to be focused, like doing one thing at a time, uh, if, if I understood you correctly. Uh-huh. Okay. So what happens to those experts who demand that you should be multitasking? And those experts, they say that they are great multitaskers. And when you listen to them, or when you are around them, then you feel that you are a nobody. You have, you have done nothing in your life. How do you maintain that balance in, in present-day chaotic life? How does life work for people like simple souls like me or people like me? You, we, we stop multitasking. We literally just do one thing at a time. Like you were explaining to me ahead of the show that um, you like to get the recordings out right away. So you're focused. You, you don't want things hanging around. And to get things done like that, you really have that. You do one thing at a time in order to get that done. And that's literally what we have to retrain ourselves to do. If we slow down and stay focused, we actually accomplish more of what we want to do and what God wants us to do than if we're running around trying to do 10,000 things at once. We're, human beings are not meant to run around and do all these things. And that's why we get right. sick and ill. <laughs> right, right. So. Timothy, you were talking about meditation and that, you know, when you meditate, uh, even while, while doing something, you are fully focused on that. For that, it's almost like meditation for you. But for people who want to actually get down to meditating, what do they do? They sit down and they stare uh, or think about something. What should they think? That they are actually in that zone and not think about so things that are actually, you know, uh, worrisome for them. What should they think while they meditate? What should so, be their focus? So the real simple, easiest meditation is to sit comfortably and focus your mind on watching your breath flow in and out. Okay. And okay. repeat, if you repeat a mantra with it, like Om or Om Namah Shivaya or repeat hum as you breathe in and saw as you breathe out, which is the natural sound the breath makes. And it also means I am that I am. Right. Um, that focuses your mind. So anytime that your mind starts to think about anything else and you notice it, you bring it right back to watching your breath. So it's, it's practice. And eventually, that's where the mind becomes still. When you've repeated the same thing over and over again, the mind becomes still. 
So we're right. not, I, I don't use meditation to ask for anything. I don't use meditation to think about solutions to problems. I use meditation to connect with God, to listen to my own truth, to listen to what God wants me to do in the world. And then afterwards, if I want something, I'll focus on it. But the answer usually comes to me if I'm just quiet and listening. Okay. Okay. So, Timothy, let me ask you a very basic question, but, you know, I, I would like to understand it. And I'm sure there are a lot of people like me who would like to understand. In today's time, everything needs is getting redefined. So in today's time, how do you see or what do you understand when people say happiness and love help more or less people understand that it has to be good health. But happiness is something, you know, for everybody, each one happiness is different. But what does it mean to you? How do you tell everybody when you say be in peak happiness? And, you know, and every moment in love and health, what do you mean by that? How, what exactly do you mean? by that? Our, our general nature is love. We, we have that same love of the, from the moment we're born. God is love. We are love. That's literally all that there is. And we get separated from it. And happiness... For, for me, happiness is something that, okay, I'm happy one moment, but then I'm not happy. I'm sad. Let's say that. So beyond happiness, there's joy. There's just sheer joy, like the joy of a child that goes out and sees a star for the first time. It's like, wow, they're just lit up. And then there's, there's bliss. There's just literally you're happy all of the time without anything happening. <laughs> and it's like, we are happiness. We are joy. We are bliss. That's all we are. And whatever happiness we experience from food, a great meal, from being with somebody, from doing our favorite exercise, from making love, whatever happiness gets triggered that that's from inside of us and we don't need those outer things to have that happiness once we learn that happiness is inside we can trigger it by ourselves like all all i have to do is focus my attention below my navel and i can laugh for five hours straight i have <laughs> because Happiness is inside of me. I've, I've learned that I don't need something to trigger it. I still enjoy those things that trigger it, <laughs> but I don't need them anymore. I can be that same feeling inside myself. So what I, okay. what I, what I suggest to people is take whatever makes you the happiest, okay? Whether it's being with a certain person, whether it's making love, whether it's eating the best dessert you've ever had and whatever that feels like to you throughout your day just keep remembering and calling back those feelings 
So like meditation, it takes practice so we can actually feel that all of the time. Okay. Okay, Timothy. So you say that happiness is within us. Love is within us. You know, and then there is this concept of self-love and happiness. They say if you can't love yourself, then you can't love anybody else. And then there is a saying that your happiness lies in the happiness of others. That's several times you can call it empathy. You can call it, you know, your uh, feeling of humanity towards others. How, what exactly people can understand when they say like uh, whether you should go for self-love or your happiness first or you look around the happiness of people around you. Is love about control? Is it? No, is it, no, is it no that, 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 that. <laughs> when it's controlled, and that's not love. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was a child, one of my favorite things to do was to pick flowers in the garden and give them to my mother and my grandmother. And I was with a little boy last year when he was with his mother and we were out and shopping in a village. And I just watched him go pick flowers and give them to his mother. So that's just total unconditional love. And when self-love is literally taking care of ourself so that we can love others and having a healthy body, having a calm mind, and I think the nature of every human being is to love and just love and to give that love and to help others. So, but it's not, it's not helping because you want something back from them. It's just because it's our general nature. Okay. Okay, Timothy. So my last question is, in a nutshell, if you have to give people just you know one idea that how do you spend or live your moment each moment in peak happiness health and love what would that be so that everybody remembers it ah i'll, I'll go back to simply repeating a mantra when you don't have to be thinking about anything because that reconnects you with the love inside yourself and it quiets your mind. So I, I live my life with a quiet mind. I see God's, I see the world superimposed on God's light. So I know that we can all do this because this isn't how I grew up my first 30 years of life. So I know this is something that we can all experience. And so if we can just start to focus our mind on peace love and reaffirm to ourselves this is what i am i am love i am light i am peace then eventually that becomes our experience no matter what's going on in the world around us so aj i i, I literally i i've been doing tai chi at times and i know that I am so peaceful that if somebody told me there was going to be a bomb dropped on my property in five minutes, 
it's not going to it's not going to change what I'm doing now and in those next five minutes. I'm going to be peace. I'm going to be love and I'm going to be calm. And we just have to keep practicing and telling ourselves that amidst all of this other stuff that we're trying to, you know, navigate in this world. Because, yes, it's, it's, not, it's not an easy time to navigate this world. You, you are a blessed man, Timothy, because in today's time, with so much of pressure, several people are, you know, walking bombs in the sense with so much on their minds and heads that... Even with the slightest of small uh, so-called excitement or negative news or even a positive news can just, you know, lead lead to a blast. And that's a very unfortunate thing because they are all human beings and human beings are inherently good. And and that is where the unfortunate part is that you need to go to therapist, you need to go and go to the right people if, if you are fortunate and... That's where you know the real help is needed. So Timothy, you, yes, help, you helping, e- helping, helping, helping each other remember right. who we are. <laughs> right, right. So Timothy, you have written so many books. You do so much of work. How do people contact you to take your advice, take your help, and to read and you know what you have written? How to see uh, you know all those? Yeah, they things. can they can go to my website, which is right on the screen there and timothystutz.com and look in the menu for the freebie page. And I have lots of wonderful free items, guided meditations that I've used for decades to experience what I experience and free stories and songs for children. There's a one and a half hour free training that reconnects people with their heart, their creativity, and their spiritual essence for adults and children. So there, there's lots of wonderful free items on there and they can find all of my books and the special book club I have for parents and children at my website. So it's all there and people can have fun exploring what's there. And there's a little chat window at the website. So if people wanna contact me and talk directly about what their particular situation is and how I might help them or where I could direct them. They're welcome to have a personal conversation with me. Right, right. Uh, Thank you so much for your time, Timothy, for all these great, you know, golden nuggets of insights uh, into human mind, into children's mind and how you can actually live your life. You know, you live each moment in peak happiness, health and love. And love. Yes. And love. (laughs) Uh, thank you, AJ. Thank you so much. It's yeah. wonderful to be with you. <laughs> same year, same year, Timothy. On this note, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed. Hmm.